Hi, I'm James Taylor. And I'm Marco Sparks. And welcome to the Cruel Summer Podcast. Many of you may know us as the guys behind Bros Watch PLL2, a Pretty Little Liars podcast. We've been kind of nibbling at various shows over the years looking for a new podcast to do. And uh, we think this is the one because we really like Cruel Summer. So we have a little chat about each of the episodes. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's like the the dance floor cleared. You know, we're on one side of the hall and on the other side of the hall is this show. And then this show throws us into a basement and makes us fall in love with it. Yeah, I don't don't know if you really (laughs) want to go there with that metaphor. Um, But yeah, I do think there's kind of like this lineage of teen shows over the years. You know, Buffy, Veronica Mars, um, Gossip Girl, a lot of people throw in there, Pretty Little Liars, where it's just it's teen mystery with all the accoutrements of youth. Um, You know, we started out liking those shows as teenagers. We're not teenagers anymore, but we still like the shows. Um, There's just something fun about them. There's something fun about high school that's hard to replicate outside of it everything's just a little more tense and uh amplified also i mean like so much of tv development is is compiling like what worked previously and then just writing that out to the the weakest possible you know watered down product but i think max or matching something like prayla liars or whatever that version would be several years after that show ended with whatever your like netflix True crime documentary du jour, like it, it's just a easy hook. Plus, we're '90s bitches and we love it. Um, yeah, yeah, we were also children in the '90s. I'm, I guess, w- I would be two years younger than Jeanette. You'd be three years, right? So, yeah, something like that. Um, yeah, '90s nostalgia. It's, it's just the extra cherry on top in the show that makes it especially my shit. '95. Mm-hmm. I would have been starting my freshman year of high school, and I would have been terrified of Jeanette Turner and also in love with her. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. This show has a lot of things I love in a show. It's got a good mystery. It's got kind of this ideas about memory and recollection. And can you, can you even trust your own memory and recollection of things and, you know, different people having different point of views. It has the, the kind of, you know, early timeline versus late timeline. Like it's all gone wrong in the future, which Mm -hmm. I love. Um, Also present on the nevers, another show. That we enjoy. Um, so well, lost, you know, like, lost. Like, yeah, yeah. We have to go back and all that. Any anytime there's some like a, a comparison between you know a character now and later, and the later is extremely fucked up. I'm, that's just my shit. Like I'm into that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, and just it it has enough stuff that like I don't know references or has fun with other things. Reminds me of classic movies. I mean, the fucking poster alone. You know, if you're if you're <laughs> a snob, you're like, ooh, persona. You know, like. So that's also being a pretentious asshole is also my shit. Mm-hmm. Um, so this should be fun. And it just, I don't know, this show feels like it has so much more of a perspective and personality than other shows out there. Like um, we're going to trash it a lot. Apologies in advance. Riverdale. Oh, yeah. I wanted Riverdale to be good. And just by the end of season one, I was just like, this is stupid. Like, I mean, Riverdale's like, like an aesthetic searching for meaning. Um, whereas this show, I feel like it actually, it, it takes itself seriously as a show and not like as like a gift generator. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think you can tell, and it might all fall apart, you know, like they might've tied mm-hmm. the bow too tight, but I feel like there's a good idea of where things are going. Like it feels confident um, in some of its choices, which I, I, you know, I appreciate just the, the feeling of confidence. Mm-hmm. Go ahead and wing it, but like make me feel like, you know, where this is going. Yeah. Yeah. It definitely <laughs> feels like they know where it's going. 
which uh, I mean, you don't necessarily need to know where it's going to make a show, but it helps. Yeah, exactly. Like I said, it, it's all about selling it in the moment, though. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the show sells it. And uh, I believe this was the highest rated like freeform series debut ever. So the the metrics are it's the um, what do they call it? The seven day the live plus seven day category is mm-hmm. the most watched debut series in freeform history. So I don't know if that's including ABC Family. Like maybe it, it by them saying freeform, it's like you know, Pretty Little Liars might be higher, but they don't count it or something. I don't know. But in freeform mm-hmm. history, it's the the best debut they've had. It sounds like. Yeah, I just waiting for that extra coveted like most social media show or whatever the hell they gave PLO. We're going to talk about PLO occasionally. I mean, you can't not with Martin Harris. There's a good but, chance that you found us through our Rosewatch Field yeah. 2 podcast. Um, if you haven't, that's fine. Uh, you can you can still listen anyway. We'll try to avoid any inside jokes. But yeah, it's hard not to bring up Ezra Fitz in relation to Martin Harris. Which is just a wildly different tone viewpoint of that. It is weird how similar they look. Oh, you know, yeah. it's, it's like they have such a similar vibe to them. Just the, the close cropped hair and the dead eyes. Uh, this, you know, the show's got plenty of uh, dark-haired white guys. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The, the point where sometimes you're like, "Wait, is that her brother?" No, that's the friend. Who? Ben? Who's uh, Ben? Yeah. The brother to me, I know we talked about this earlier. The brother to me stands out the most. He also, I was like struggling since you and I talked earlier today about who he reminds me of. And this won't mean anything. This just shows how old I am. He reminds me of the older brother in the Wonder Years. Okay, yeah, I kind of see it. Yeah, I, a little bit in like his chin and his, his yeah. head. Mm-hmm. It's it was I think on Ben was the character who I was most like. Which one are Ben's you? Ben's the one where you're like, wait, who's Ben? Yeah, because he. Yeah. He, I, I I noticed in this episode. I just rewatched it that uh, Jamie says his name like when he's first introduced, like to let everyone know, hey, this oh, is like, Ben, like like but, a pilot. Yeah, yeah, but it's so like you just forget that name immediately. The only two that they don't really do it for, because I was like, I went to this whole rewatch where I was like, I don't know these two girls' names is uh, oh, the, Captain the and Neil. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was like, oh, okay. You have names. <laughs> Allegedly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, let's get into a little bit of kind of the, I don't know, the backstory of the, the show before we get into going through the episode itself. Last so, summer. This is produced by Jessica Beale. Mm-hmm. who also produced The Sinner, which mm-hmm. um, I've only seen like the first season of that show, at least the complete season of that show, which is great. You should go watch that show. And this is a different show, but I, I don't know. I feel like there's a little bit of the same vibe there. Oh, yeah. It yeah. is interesting uh, what Jessica Biel has decided to kind of associate and produce. So far, it seems like she's doing pretty well. Yeah. The first season of Sinner is amazing. Uh, season two, I enjoy in a lot of ways. Um like the giant, the giant fuck rock. Uh, season three, I had to bail at a certain point because <laughs> I don't know, man. It was going down a, a road that was almost too dark for me. <laughs> wow. Okay. <laughs> I have. I have someday. Uh, my gauntlet will be finishing the last three episodes of that show. <laughs> uh, um, like the center, yeah, the, the show has some great needle drops. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So created by a guy named Bert V. Royal, who wrote the spec script that became Easy A. Uh, this was initially uh, going to be a show called Last Summer. Uh, I wonder know, if it always it. had that structure. Or... Good question. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, now shares a name with both Taylor Swift song, a Bananarama song, an Ace of Bass album. Um, 
Yeah. Yeah. I remember a friend of mine just sent me like, it was like an Instagram promo for the show. It was basically like, Hey, this might be the new shit. And I was just like, I watch it and I was just like, Hmm, I kind of like what I'm seeing here. Yeah. Um, Olivia Holt is uh, one of the main stars. I've seen her in cloak and dagger, which I thought she was really great in. I feel like she is an actress who's going to be playing like Dazzler in X-Men movies in five years. Like I, I feel like her, her star is only ascending right now. I like that. That's the, uh, that's the, the sign that she's made it is Dazzler. Well, I mean, these days it's either, either you're in some sort of indie movie, you're an ingenue who wins the Oscar for it, or you're in like an MCU movie. So do both Olivia yeah. Holt. You can do it. I mean, let's, let's be real. They've, they fucked up the X-Men movies in a lot of ways. The biggest fuck up was not casting T-Swift as Dazzler like five years ago. That still works, I think. But yeah. St- I, at any point, yeah. yeah. It's just the question her, is... Her reputation era, Taylor Swift, that would have been a perfect Dazzler. The question is always going to be, who plays Longshot? <laughs> Keegan Allen, of course. Okay. We, we always answer this question. Do we always answer Keegan <laughs> Allen? Yes. I would, Keegan I would Allen pay- with a mullet? I think it works. I would pay so much money just to see him screen test that role. <laughs> like a like a bleach blonde mullet. Anyway, so not PLL. <laughs> hey, 90s is a very big time for the X-Men too. So this is like their heyday. Yeah, this is almost around the this is like maybe what just like a year or two after Jim Lee and Chris Claremont, X-Men one, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's right in that era. Cartoon I feel like is my, out. I feel like my man Vince day. gonna yeah. be watching the X-Men cartoon. <laughs> It'll probably be Mallory who watches the X-Men cartoon, right? Oh, no. Mallory sucks. Um, no, it'd be Vince. Vince would totally watch it. Yeah, Vince is cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, you might not hear the most complimentary things about Mallory. I think she's our least favorite character. I Sorry. think I can't say she's the most evil character on the show because Martin Harris exists, but I think she might be the second most evil character. And I do think she's complicit in something. Uh, like I said, not. Yeah, absolutely. H- hard, hard cosign. Like. No spoilers yet, but like there was a character who I disliked more than Mallory for a while. And then like they had a scene of Mallory in like episodes three or four. And I was like, way to make me like this character more, make me like Mallory less. Yeah. <laughs> Tough look for Mallory. And uh, especially on the rewatch, kind of, you know, at this point, Signs five, are there. at this point, five episodes of the show were out when we're recording this. And on rewatch, yeah. Mallory comes off even worse, I think. The signs are there. Mm hmm. Like the, like your theories like mm-hmm. about Mallory being evil in some fashion are are nicely embedded. But I mean, I, I guess we'll try to avoid future episode spoilers. Are we going to do that? I mean, yes. We'll also probably we may let you know where we are, it, but try try not to uh, just full on state things in future episodes. Let's put it that yeah. way. Yeah. Well, we'll try to let you know also where mm-hmm. we are in case you're I don't know keeping track. Um. All right. Well, um, that was enough preamble, I suppose. Shall we dive into the episode? Yes, please. I guess we should uh, just t- discuss the structure real quick because it's sure. uh, hinted at in the opening title card here that you get the the classic like uh, AOL modem screech and the text appears on screen, Doogie Hauser style. I kept waiting for Cannonball by Breeders to start playing. <laughs> yeah, true. Uh, so the text says the events that are about to unfold take place on approximately June 21st, 1993, 1994 and 1995. So, and this is true for every episode. It's a different day, but it's always like, you know, the same day in, on three different years. Actually, let me rewind just a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Like the show, let's throw out some general content warnings here. Mm-hmm. Uh, this particular one for this first episode is the scenes of domestic violence, which may trigger people if you were discussion advised. Obviously, you know, we're not pro any of those things, but we are going to be talking about them occasionally. So 
I'm trying to every be episode I, so far, I think, has had at least some kind of disclaimer yeah. about domestic violence or like grooming, uh, grooming or uh, yeah. sexual assault, something like that. So, it's, so yeah, just just a reminder that you have wandered into a cruel summer podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, Presume you've seen the show. Yeah. All right. So yeah, that's that's the setup. We're getting slices of a, a day in the life, or two, sometimes it's really a couple days over three different years and it kind of cuts back and forth between them and and, in a clever way where we're learning new things in the future that then reflect back on scenes in the past and you know vice versa it's pretty cool well and like nice little match cuts Mm -hmm. to like kind of really emphasize shifts in relationships and even like some trick shots where it's it's 1993 and she's looking at herself in the mirror and she walks out of frame and then she walks by and it's 94, you know, like, like some, some cool stuff like that. And then it's, it's 1985 and she's on Mars and mm-hmm. she's like, later the photograph dropped from her hand and she's tired of these people and their, their little lives. Yeah. Is that the Watchmen reference? It's Dr. Manhattan. Um, but yeah, so we're going to talk about episode one. Happy birthday, Jeanette Turner, uh, aired April 20th, 2021. Oh, I should say uh, directed by Max Winkler. Who's the director here. Yeah. Uh, you and I were talking pr- prior. He wrote, directed a movie called Ceremony, directed some TV, did shows like New Girl and Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Which I can kind of see, I don't know, the evolution from that style to this. It's very piloty, like it's, you know, very tricky in places, like you said. I mean, there are there's some trick shots and there are which I want to talk about in just a little bit, some interesting, like kind of subjective shots. Um, mm. but yeah, let's get right into it here because we after that title card, we get the big nineteen ninety-three on screen. Uh, as we get a shot of uh, this is Kiara Aurelia playing mm-hmm. Jeanette. It's kind of a profile shot for one eye opening here, very lost style. And we're going to get the first of three happy birthdays here. Uh, as Dreams by Gabrielle is playing. And why is this important to you and me, especially? Because this is the song that <laughs> quiz kid Donnie Smith <laughs> is always listening to Magnolia. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's, I, I just find it interesting that the these three little vignettes of like her birthday three years in a row. It's it, we get these point of view shots from her mm-hmm. and, and it's like her dad's in the foreground, her mom's in the background lighting the cake, but she's out of focus. Like it's like a shallow depth of field. And like the show will occasionally do these POV shots, which to me I, I think is really trying to stress literal point of view and like what you see and maybe what characters see might not be the same thing that other people oh, see throughout. I mean like, yeah. Right up until the ending of this episode, where you see this the the dark fatalism of uh, Jeanette. Mm-hmm. Whereas I think, I mean, you know, some spoiler here. Like, I think Kate's character is is a fascinating, complicated character of like sweetness turned victimness, like and, and like turned into like the strength underneath. Whereas I feel like Jeanette is so much more complicated and mysterious in a way that I. Yeah, I guess we'll, we'll save the the conversation for, with, about Jeanette till the end of the episode. Um, yeah, because yeah, I think I think she is really the crux of the show in a lot of ways. What what you think of that character? And, yeah, exactly. It's going to tell you a are. lot. Yeah, but yeah, so her parents apparently surprise her every day on her birthday. She's fifteen years old. I would uh, kind parents... of be like, "Leave me alone. I'm in bed." But I guess it's a tradition or whatever. Oh, tag yourself. I'm 1995, Jeanette for sure. <laughs> Same. Um, but her her parents are Sarah Drew from, I guess there's a show called Grey's Anatomy. I don't know if you've heard of that, um, but also Everwood. And her dad is Michael Landis, who I keep saying is the original and superior Jimmy Olsen on Lois and Clark. <laughs> yeah, and it's it's a very happy family. 
you know, like Jeanette's her real dork hair. She's got braces. Her hair is kind of like curly. Um, she's f- turning 15, right? I believe yeah. that's what it is. Yeah. Just turned 15. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Her brother is there and he can't go to the the, the annual like uh, family birthday dinner because he scored some boys to men tickets, which got a big little out of me uh, to go with yeah. his girlfriend. Yeah. Camped out all night for those tickets. Mm-hmm. It's going to, it's going to make love to her. Uh, yeah. So Jeff's going to spend the day probably at the movies with her friends, Vincent and Mallory. Um, she's just wavy hair, braces, glasses. She's almost visually like a parody of a nerd. And Kiara Aurelia does a really good job of playing up the cringe. It's yeah. it's almost like God. I kind of remember being that awkward and dorky as a kid, and I I don't yeah. like it. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like just the 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 cringe of it all. Like she has like the dorky laugh, and yeah, it's it's almost painful, but she does it very well. Also on her shelf by the door, she has tons of dolls, a la creepy dolls. Yeah. Um. But she's also the kind of dork to after her parents like finally leave to like, you know, wait for her to come downstairs and have dinner or breakfast. She's just like, happy birthday, Jeanette Turner to herself. So mm-hmm. I don't know. She's kind of endearing. Yeah. Um, 1994, she wakes up. Uh, she's uh, no glasses now, no braces. She's clearly like, uh, you know, got had a little bit of a... Uh, uh, a, a Princess Diaries overhaul. Hathaway yeah. mm-hmm. makeover, yeah, yeah, and uh, some hunky dude is there on her bed giving her a little cupcake. It's her boyfriend. That's not a euphemism. It, it is not. No, he gave her that uh, seemingly the night before or something. Yeah. Uh, this time also, it's I wanted to be down by Brandy is playing. <laughs> but this is Jamie who plays like a genetic splice between Jason Priestley and Scott Wolf. Like also five percent Joey Lawrence. Okay, I can kind of see like that. his his wardrobe in this scene alone is just like straight up like whoa. That's the baggy so he, jeans and the flannel tied around your the waist. Flannel, yeah. yeah, he's just like straight out of like a scene of blossom here. <laughs> yeah, but uh, he's the boyfriend, and he jokes about how you know he had to like really like twist uh, his, her dad's arm to be able to be the one to wake her up here because it's like a tradition that like the dad wakes her up, um, and he, he had to promise the dad that they wouldn't have sex till they're married or something like that. It's uh, spoiler alert. They already had sex. So, yeah. But I mean, the, the fact that like the parents would allow this in any fashion, that's outrageous. I mean, also, hello, at 16, my penis would tell you whatever you wanted to hear. Well, I do think it's interesting that this is our first hint that the dad is maybe too trusting of Jeanette. I mean, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I, he, he certainly believes Jamie here when he says like, oh, we won't have sex till we're married. And that's like, sure, fine. Like, little does he know they're already screwing. I mean, is her dad just like the world's biggest pushover? <laughs> well, I mean, you know, he loves his daughter. So props for that, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, those acid wash jeans. Yeah, so they, they're teens. So they're the kind of teens that say I love you to each other here. And they're 16. And they just fucked. Mm-hmm. Um, and he may be a year older. Because I, I noticed that Kate is a year older. So I think he is too. Yeah. Then 1995, Jeanette wakes up in truly the darkest timeline. Yes. Uh, quite literally, every all the 1995 scenes are like significantly blue tinted. The there isn't a huge difference between uh, 93 and 94. I think 93 is a little bit warmer tinted, and 94 is kind of neutral, mm. is as far as what I can pick up on. But 95 is like blue tinted. It is the dark timeline. Jeanette has short hair, which I kind of wonder if we're it's that's going to be like a we're going to get a scene where Jeanette is like 
don't know, she cuts her hair off in like a fit of like rage or depression, or if it's going to be like somebody throws gum on her. Like, is there a reason she has to cut her hair other than just like self-expression? You think she's going to put on some Elliot Smith and like Luke Wilson and her hair in the mirror? Mm-hmm. I, I I wouldn't be surprised that there's like a particular reason she has to like like something happens to her hair, you know, from some sort of bullying or something like that, rather I than mean, just she like decides to like cut it short. Quite possibly. I mean, but also definitely, I think the ending of this episode alone tells you that Jeanette's all about punishing herself for yeah crimes that may not be maybe real or imaginary. But yeah, no external music here, just some guitar riffing. The score in general is um, it's, it's a, a little bit of that. It's a little Trent soft, Reznor, Atticus Ross, right? I, I was gonna say there's a, there's a, in touches throughout the series. It's a little bit of that like soft techno like you'd get in Stranger Things, but mm-hmm. like a little bit of a occasional guitar twanging with like it's, an effect on it. It's more moody though, I think. Yeah, yeah. Well, also it doesn't. I think it still has a, a touch of like reminding you that this is Texas. I wasn't picking up on that. I guess to me, it 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 felt very like social networky or like um like Gone Girl, you know. Um, but it's a little great, bit of affected twang, I would yeah, say. Great dialogue here. This is the 1995 birthday wake up, and it's just her dad walks in and says, "Wake up, your lawyer is here." <laughs> she says, "Which one?" Which, one? <laughs> Which like that's like wow. Okay, something went wrong. <laughs> Yeah, she, we, we saw his... nerdy Jeanette. We saw a popular girl dating the hunk Jeanette, and now it is the dark timeline Jeanette, where she's talking to a lawyer, and her dad well, just, is just his... like, "Get out of bed, happy birthday." I guess his like, "What does it matter?" Yeah, <laughs> it's so like, like, "Fuck, I gave up." Um, yeah, shit, so much tense of her. They play this this exchange here, like he's almost afraid of her, what she's become. I mean, as as we see later throughout the timelines, it kind of feels like the dad at some point pushes all his chips in on Jeanette's side. He's going to stand yeah. by his daughter. And it's like, maybe he regrets it now, but like, what is the point of regret? It's like, this right. is the hand you're playing now. You just, you know, you got to write it out. Well, also, I don't want to spoil it. I mean, like he's fallen to like a, a pretty good parachute of his life, even <laughs> in 95. True. Yeah, he's, he's dating Donna doing- Summer's daughter. He's doing good. Yeah, I mean, like, she owns a bar, and she's like, hey, baby, you drink here for free. (laughs) (laughs) What more can he ask for in life? Yeah, exactly. This is what I aspire to. Um, Yeah, so that's, we get the credit. I mean, that's the cold open. And it's like, fuck, can you imagine this script, like, landing on your pile and just, you're like, yes, please. Yeah, yeah. You get the tile card. The the Cruel Summer, like, kind of rises up, like, as though it's reflected in water. There has so far been like no water on the show, like no bodies of water except maybe a lake at one point. I'm wondering mm-hmm. if there the water will ever come into things. It's a very landlocked show, it feels like. Right, but uh reflections. Yeah. Oh shit. We're going we're going to town on this this motif and metaphor. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So she meets up her lawyer. There's a legal case happening. It's a tricky case. It's your word against hers, we hear. I like the just uh, the shot of the sink with all the dirty dishes in it. Uh, which, yeah. which, by the way, her mother was not in that third uh, happy birthday wake up. So it's like, where's the mom? Right, right. And you won't see her in that for a while. Um, yeah, 93, cut back 93. Jeanette's riding bikes with Vincent and Mallory singing songs together. They're singing um, Ico Ico, which is an old song. It's been covered by everyone, including Cindy Lauper and the True Colors album. Uh, close up shot on the Eight of Diamonds. There are a lot of uh, Reddit theories about that Eight of Diamonds there. Yeah, like what? Uh, well, I don't, I don't want to get to him yet. I mean, we'll wait till at least the next episode. But uh, okay. that there might be a case of mistaken identity related to that Eight of Diamonds. Mm. Mm. Mm-hmm. But yeah, they're singing this dorky song. It's Jeanette and her two friends. 
seemingly Jeanette is the lead. She's in the middle. She's riding ahead of them. She's kind she's of glue. Po- positioned as the, the leader of this group of misfits. Um, although Mallory kind of gets her way a lot, it seems like. Mallory's very pushy. I don't think anyone told Mallory that she's not the leader. Well, I, I think I, I was thinking about this. Mallory seems like the type of friend where if Mallory's your friend, you don't have any other female friends. Yeah. Like I think Vince is allowed because he's a boy, mm-hmm. you know? So it's like, okay, fine. You can p- be part of the group, but I don't think Mallory would be cool with like other female friends in the group. It's like she yeah. wants Jeanette and then later other characters all to herself. Well, and, and, and Vince played by Alias Barnes is he's a good hang. He's not too like domineering. Vince is great. Uh, I don't know yeah. why Vince tolerates Mallory. I guess he's just a nice guy. Mallory played by Harley Quinn Smith is she's a big personality. It's um, yeah. She talks with her whole face. Mallory's existed in the world. I've never been a fan of them. Let me just say that. Yeah. And if you don't know any Mallory's in your friend group, I got bad news for you. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> After 30 minutes, if you don't know who the Mallory is, you are the Mallory. Is that what you're saying? I don't know. I look in the mirror. It's, it's on theme with the show. Uh, yeah. So, these these kids like they really capture like what fucking dorks they are. So they they're at the I mall mean, they're at and they're that just age like, where they almost I think I think Jeanette is only just realizing that she's a dork. Like I yeah. think they're at but that age where it. like you may not entirely know that you're a dork because it doesn't mm-hmm. matter yet, but it's it's starting to matter now. But but I feel like she's still like relatively earnest. Mm-hmm. You know, she's enjoying this life. Um, and I'm pretty jaded. You know, like I said, I'm I'm 1995. Jeanette so like so every it's something like this that makes me think like good for you kids like enjoy this shit while you can but yeah they're gonna especially Mallory suggested they should do something illegal this summer they want to make a list of things that they're going to do and they have to do them this summer and Jeanette agrees to the illegal thing as long as it's not immoral Mallory is the one who wants to do something really bad which is my first yeah. little like hmm note on Mallory yeah yeah yeah, yeah. as like long as it's not a immoral. montage uh the one of like first of three photo booth things that are going to happen in this episode but yeah classic teen trope right the the photo booth this, mm-hmm. this moment in time they're good friend. friends they're arm in arm does it mean anything that vince has a shirt on that says runaway on the back i don't know um so they, they're trying to pick out what movie they've already seen jurassic park seven times jen wants to pick out a movie which is the christian slater movie in which he has a monkey oh, i meant to look this up it's like it's like it's marissa not, tomei i think it's Isn't not it? It's not pump up the no no it's no no it's it's a movie where he has a heart transplant and he dies and it's very sad it's like a romance so it's not cuffs um, no it's not cuffs either uh, <laughs> I'll have it in just a moment here Untamed Heart yeah oh, it's a 1993 film I'm I've never seen it I'm pretty sure my sisters watched that and you know huh. had similar thoughts about how wonderful it was Hearts in the Mist okay mm-hmm. hmm. Uh, but yeah, so Jeanette gets to pick the movie and then Vince is like, hey, I got to distract you while Mallory goes and buys you some stupid chintzy necklace for your birthday. The the dumbest, cheapest gift that the mall will sell us. Yeah, really. It's like $7, which I guess was like, I don't know, $20 in today's money or something. <sighs> oh, especially back then. I would, I would, I would kill a friend for $7. <laughs> yeah. And then we get our first look at uh, Kate, Kate Wallace, played by Olivia Holt. She is the popular it girl. She's blonde. She's pretty. She has friends. And you immediately get the there's something relatable about Jeanette is like seemingly a little bit obsessed with her. Mm -hmm. But it's also disconcerting at the same time. You're like, okay, is 
is this it's a little single white female yeah it, it's just a little bit like when she comes up and she's just like oh i like your purse and kate's like thanks and, and then Jeanette just goes it's my birthday and like i if somebody did that to me i would be weirded the fuck out i would oh, just yeah. be like okay man and like turn around and walk away but I kate mean, is a very nice person she's just like she's a good human being she's not like the mean bitchy it girl or anything like that you know she's like oh happy birthday yeah, no, the 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 bitchy mean girl is is Mallory in this town. But like uh, metaphorically, she's like the little the like the little blonde girl playing with flowers in the meadow, and then like here comes Frankenstein's mm-hmm. monster. Like, Rawr! but I love that. Like, as Kate's in her own little world, like looking at the person at this kiosk, like Jeanette just kind of goes around to the other side to look at her, like almost like they're in the poster. And the, and the music the is is telling us that like. This is it's ominous. There's like a, there's an ominous note to it. Yeah, you're you're, you're getting the the kind of I don't know the the pain of being young and like oh it's the popular girl I wish I could be like her but then there's something more there. I wish I could be her. Yeah, mm-hmm. like I could I could put on her her skin like a mask and stare out like the, the world uh, like eyes. the butterfly hair clip that Kate has. That's very nineties. That definitely takes yeah, me back. We see that that in this year, Jamie is dating Kate. Um, yes, but like you said, also Kate is a year older than Jeanette. Mm-hmm. And I, I did like the the little bit where um, Kate knows her name. She goes, "Oh, it's mm-hmm. Jeanette, right?" Uh, and then when Jamie comes up, he kind of interrupts him talking, and Kate is still like re- like kind of breaks away for a second. It's like, "Oh, happy birthday!" Like she's she's just like a very conscientious person, which I, I think we get immediately. So as I was re- as I'm doing like this rewatch of this pilot episode, I'm watching this scene, and the way it's shot, for most of it, I was like, "You could 100% do a thing later where Kate like like this was not real, like mm, like Jeanette, okay. just imagine this." But like Jamie looks at at Jeanette at one point. So I mean, like, I, don't, okay. I don't think we've gotten anything so far to suggest that what we're seeing didn't happen. I guess I, I say it's it's like just on the line. You I, know, I guess where, I would like, feel a little bit annoyed if the show went that way. Like yeah, if it was yeah, just yeah. like you hallucinated that. Like I feel like the show is playing fair so far with all these scenes. As far as we know, I mean Jeanette's. Mm-hmm. The, I think the frustration a lot of people have with the portrayal of Jeanette, if you have frustrations, is that she is playing cards so close to her chest. Yeah, especially in the um, the 1995 timeline. Yeah, so Mallory's gone, Jeanette. This you go girl necklace for seven dollars. This necklace will damn her. <laughs> yeah, on well, the um, way she walks away from that interaction with Kate, like it's like. It's we'll we'll see her walk away from another scene later, and like there there was euphoria there, and here there's something else going on there, and then she's almost like startled when her friends show up. Uh, yeah. But yeah, they got her this just incredibly cheesy necklace with like a rainbow brand, and it's it just looks like it's plastic, and it says "You Go Girl." It's it's the dumbest thing you've ever seen, but yeah, these totally existed in the '90s, and oh, absolutely, yeah. Uh, uh, and "Dreams" by the Cranberry starts playing, which <laughs> is like the first real time where I was like. God damn, the soundtrack for this show is great. Well, that, and then it cuts to a roller rink because she's, we, we, we cut from Kate making out with Jamie, her boyfriend yeah. in the mall to, uh, um, I'm going to have such Jamie a and Jeanette making out. Jamie and Jeanette making out at the roller rink and while Dreams plays. And just seeing this like wide shot of the roller link, rink, man, this takes me back. Do they have roller rinks anymore? I think they do, but I don't I know. I think it's COVID like once you turn is. 18, you're like not allowed inside one or something. Like, I don't know. It, it just like it is entirely the domain of youth. Like I, I would be it would be weird for an adult to go to roller rink unless they're there with their kids, I think. Or like it's adult night or whatever. Do they have yeah, but like, like 
I don't know. Maybe they do, and I'm just not aware. But God, this feels so 90s to me. Just well, yeah. The, anyway, so there's there's this great match cut, mm-hmm. you know, to like let you know the startling difference the year makes. But uh, yeah, I mean, to me, roller rinks are always in grade school. There was like the second or third to last day of the school year, they would take the entire class to like the skating rink. Mm-hmm. That's that's that was my skating rink. I remember thing. speed skating. Did you do you remember that where they put the cones? Here's out. what I remember is. Every year I would go, I would show up and I would realize I don't remember how to skate and I would spend four hours learning how to skate again and then it'd be time to leave. Okay. So that's what I remember from skating rinks. Uh, but yeah, so now Jeanette's chilling with the former friends of Kate who were named Renee and Tennille. Um, yeah, who we who saw there briefly at the, at the mall. They kind of gave Jeanette a dirty look as she was walking Oh yeah, they, I feel like they, they clocked her. <laughs> but, but now Jeanette is the new kind of queen bee of this social circle. And, so much so that and, she's gotten that honey. Yeah, they they want the deets about Jeanette punching her V card with Jamie. Mm-hmm. They smashed. It was magical. And Jeanette I, says. I like the uh, when he cut over to Ben here. As Ben is Jamie's friend, who I feel like he blends into the background, which almost so much that I'm like, is there something more to Ben? Um, but he's he has a great line about like you know now now she's going to do the hand gesture to like show how big you are, and then like she does it. Yeah. And he's just like, seriously, Jamie, is your hog that big? Yeah, that was, like, that's some Dirk Diggler like, level uh, hogging there. Gosh, like Jamie, Jamie's whole affect is like, I swear to God, like some kind of tiger beat cover boy. Like he's just like, oh, gosh, nah, she's yeah. exaggerating. Jamie he's sucks, like, but uh, we don't know that yet really in this episode. <laughs> well, no, we do at the end. That's we true. do. We yeah. do. At, by the end, we do, by, but not yet. By 95, yeah. we're pretty fucking sure he <laughs> sucks. Uh, or 94 um yeah so ben reminds us ben's like hi it's a pilot remember how kate ran away you still what, thinking about her buddy what do you think about this i mean maybe it's just narrative convenience but it, it was interesting that he brought her up there is a scene in episode two where i was just like let me just put a thumbtack and a picture of ben up on my board and circle <laughs> his name a few times yeah i i'm keeping my eye on you ben keeping my eye on you um yeah, so then we match cut from Happy Jeanette to 1995 Jeanette, who looks like death, and she's awesome. Mm-hmm. And she's, she's watching old news videos uh, about Kate Austin, which she has recorded on tape, which is maybe maybe that's just a, a, a narrative convenience, or maybe it's, it's also more. dark as fuck. Yeah, yeah, it's it's the middle of the day, but it's super dark inside. I mean, this is uh, this is like the old like stalker wall. There used to be a trope in in movies and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Essentially, yeah. Like, but also like a little bit of touching on the, I don't know, like the fame game, like the darkness of fame. Um, sure, sure. It's just not a good kind uh, of fame. We see that Jamie is outside in his uh, convertible with the top up, just like watching her house, being creepy. He'd be, he's very like um, I wouldn't say goth, but he's he's definitely. He, he's affected a uh, troubled youth vibe. Yeah. He's also woken up in the darkest timeline. Mm-hmm. Uh, looking pensively at the old photo booth photos of him and Jeanette, we see that he has like half of the foursome. Um, also, classic uh, TV show shot of like him getting something out of the glove compartment where like, oh, he has a revolver in his glove compartment. Okay. Yeah, he's he's putting the photo in there and it's like, oh, just look at that. There's a gun in there. Hmm. Casual, casual revolver shot. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so Vince, who lives next door, calls Jeanette to tell her that Jamie's outside watching her again. And like, this is where it gets dark. He's just like, do you want me to call the cops? What if he tries to hurt you? And then she's like, then he hurts me. Vince in this timeline has some pretty cool braids that are like bleached in part. Like Vince looks pretty fucking cool. He had a major glow up 
uh, I think between like the, the dorky like the, 93 to 95. The open shirt thing. He's working it. Yeah. 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 Um, you start to see his hair like getting longer in 94. So I mm-hmm. think in some episodes, there's a little bit of confusion about like where Vince is in certain scenes. Yeah. I, it, we'll get to it, but he works at a video store, which looks very much the same between two timelines. So it can be a little confusing, but we'll try to keep oh, it straight. Yeah. Like back in those heydays when you had like the, you know, they weren't blockbuster and they weren't Hollywood video. They're mm-hmm. just like the local video store Mega video. Yeah, the mega videos, which, you know, at least some of the video stores had the coffee shops in them, and some just had blank white walls of videos and also a beaded curtain. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so, you know, Vince wishes Jeanette a happy birthday, and she looks like she's just like, like she just can't handle it. Like she holds it, the phone It looks away. like it takes her so much effort to just say thank you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's like, I, I feel like what she's doing in 95, Kira Aurelia, is fascinating to me. Like, she's so good. At the playing the the nerdy Jeanette and the uh, like the the queen bee popular Jeanette, but I'm kind of fascinated by the for lack of a better term emo Jeanette too, like dark emo. Yeah, and she says it's never going to be normal again, is it? Well, then Vince says, "Was it ever normal?" And it's like, "Well, come on, Vince." <laughs> 90, 93 was pretty idyllic for you kids. I find it interesting that he, he gets out his camera and takes a photo of um, the worst photos. Jamie in the car. The worst. Well, you know, you may do with there- what she had at the time. I mean, it's like, I can't tell that's like, you take that to the cops. They're like, I can't tell who's in that car. I can't even see a license plate. He can tell it's his car, though, I guess. Yeah. I, so I'd be like, thanks for nothing, Vince. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Do you think this will come back or? I, I am just going to operate under the assumption that everything's coming back. <laughs> well, just Vince as a photographer. I'll keep an uh, eye on that. Yeah. 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 Oh, well, just, yeah. Especially like they're setting up like not just the photographer. He's the observer. Well, and he's it, he's always around to notice with things. Jamie here. The implication is that he might hurt Jeanette, but he's staring at that photo of them. And it's it's really it's left open to interpretation. You know, like, is, so has he become obsessed with Jeanette? Does he want her back for some reason? Is he like looking to kill her? We don't know. What did you tell me the other day about all discourse? Uh, all discourse is shipping discourse. I my dark theory that I'm not necessarily rooting for is that we're looking at a uh, uh, Jamie and Jeanette are not done. Okay, like that maybe they've been meeting up in secret or something. Yeah, I mean, like I mean, I can I can I can talk about spoilers in this love triangle from episode five, but like I feel like Jamie and Jeanette are are the direction the show is going. I, That's my theory. I, I don't think so personally, but we'll see. I feel like it's it's more going in that direction than it's going in the other direction okay. because Jamie's a piece of shit. Yeah. Uh, so after commercial, after birthday dinner, 93, Jeanette's telling her brother about all the wild, dangerous stuff that's on her summer list. The brother is fascinating because it's like, is he, 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 nothing about him is directly suspicious, but he's in it in so much and learns things at times that I have to wonder. He seems so wholesome though. I mean, that would be a good twist, I suppose. I mean, that's the thing though. So we know who the villain of the show is. It's not really a secret. The question is, is there a second villain? Yeah, yeah. The question is, is is somebody else villainous, one of our main characters, or is there a secret side character who we can't trust? Right, right. Um, yeah, I mean, or, or is this guy just, is he legitimately just off to his boys to men concept? Yeah. Which well, he, he's off to. Derek, I think it's Derek his name, right? He has the great line, you know, like, oh, what are you going to do on your 15th birthday? He says, dad, let me crack my first beer. Or so he thought. And he kind of winks at her. Yeah. So yeah. another just hint that maybe the dad is perhaps a little too trusting of his children. I mean, I feel like Derek is like just out of like 
He's like out of like legitimately a 1993 TV show about a family. Like, yeah, he's just the older brother who's pretty cool. Yeah. He, he looks like he could like bang a soda machine and make a soda come out, kind of thing. Yeah, like he's gonna have that one episode a season in which like one of his friends accidentally shoots themselves <laughs> or, or whatever. Twirling the gun. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um. So the mom, I, I don't know. People hate this character from from the show that apparently is called Grey's Anatomy, but uh. I kind of love the mom here. She just like walks in and she sees the necklace. She sees like, oh, it's kind of cheap. Yeah. Well, the mom, I think, is invested. We will learn in future episodes about kind of the social status of Jeanette. Yeah, yeah. She's and very much of this town. Perhaps yeah. that won't be a good thing. Uh, but yeah, the the, pre- the picture that or the, the present they give her for her birthday here is like a picture of young baby Jeanette with her father, which mm-hmm. I don't know great i guess if i were 15 that wouldn't be the present i wanted i guess it's sweet but well also and it might just be how much she's written into it or it might be like uh mm-hmm. you know like a, like a salary thing but like sarah drew is recurring michael landis is is regular mm-hmm. so that tells you something but yeah so it's like it's not shocking to me that it would be jeanette and her dad i mean as a gift for a, a 15 year old whatever but like this is like more so the familiar relationship we're going to be following yeah. on well, it it sets up like oh look how young and perfect you were you're tiny and squishy and then it cuts to 1995 the dad's at a bar and he's just like she's bitter she's potentially a sociopath he's like telling the uh yeah. the bartender here who is donna summer's daughter which is amazing um, angela mm-hmm. who owns this bar they've been together for four months angela i'm gonna go ahead and say is pretty fucking awesome but also i think kind of suspicious because why is she so cool with everything in these that people's is the lives. thing it's like you don't want to trust someone who just seems like a really good person yeah um but yeah she's uh apparently dating the dad now so it's like well where's the mom okay something happened in those two years yeah. um and uh he drinks for free because he's slipping it to the bartender yeah yeah she comes over every night she comes over to his place every night i think the implication later is that he is like gone home passed out and angela's just gonna let herself in and like mm-hmm. I, jesus christ michael landis like how'd you go from like stepping on rakes like falling ass backwards into something awesome um 93 janet wakes up in the middle of the night uh she and her dad are splitting some of her cake and i, I kind of love the scene where she's like you know she's a nerd and her, her dad's like you're not a nerd and she's like yeah dad <laughs> i kind of am and he she jokes about like you know you think just like one day poof i'm gonna be popular and pretty everyone will notice her or notice me and he's like you know, gets another candle and some cake, and he's like, "Make a wish." And well, she's like, "Would we'll be terrible." Before that, though, she she says that, like, "Oh, do you think I'm just gonna like be popular and everyone notices me?" And he goes, "Well, if that's what you want, like, he's not, he isn't pressuring cool. her in the same way." He's like, "Well, if that's you what know, you want, you know." But like, I think you're great, not because of your social status or you know your looks or whatever. Right, but you know who he reminds? The scene reminds me of a lot is the uh, the conversation the dad has with the daughter in eighth grade. Okay. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, like very similar affect. Uh, uh, yeah. So then we, 1994. You know, Jamie walks Jeanette home. They split the photo booth folder, so we see like the the half of the pictures that the Jamie's had in the car. In the distance, we just hear a gunshot, a single gunshot. And I, I love that they live on a cul-de-sac here. That, that just yeah. feels so suburban. Uh, I should we should uh, mention we're both from the suburbs, so this is just so 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 totally in our wheelhouse. But we're California boys, and thank God not from Texas. Yeah, this, this takes place in Skyland, Texas, um, <sighs> which is a made-up town. I don't know if they ever say where it's near. I would guess it's maybe near, like, Dallas. Mm. That's just the vibe I get. I don't know. 
Do you think someone will wake up in the shower after a season and it was all a dream? No, it's I, I I'm guessing <laughs> that like the uh Rod is it's Rod Wallace, right? Yeah. I, I think he might be like an ex cowboy or something. Not hundred percent on that, but maybe they can't oh, say it for legal reasons. But that that's the vibe you get. He's like football hero. Right, right. Um but yeah, gunshot. This gunshot, lots of theories have expounded on. Um, Because we will learn later in the episode that the uh, kidnapper was killed in a a gunfight. I don't think this is... Shootout. Or shootout, yeah. I don't think this is that shootout. It's only a single shot. And it's it's gotta be something, because otherwise it wouldn't be in the episode. But Mm -hmm. uh, we don't really know what the significance of it is yet. I feel like it's gonna play into whatever else Kate is dealing with in her her time. Probably. um, But I, I, I find it interesting that uh, when this gunshot goes off, Jeanette is very spooked by it. Jamie mm-hmm. is just like, whatever. And then Vince comes out and he's like, what the fuck was that? Did you guys hear that? And Jamie's just like, welcome to Texas, man. It's probably a car backfiring or something. I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what to, re- there's something slightly, and maybe it's just my general feeling of Texas. Mm-hmm. There's something slightly malicious in the way he says this to Vince. Like, yeah, well, yeah. I, I feel welcome like there's, Texas. there is some coding there. Yeah. Yeah, I think there yeah. is I an mean, implication was, of what because, he's saying. Because it's 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 key to say, I think, that like Vince and Angela are the only two like African American characters in this town. And Rod mm-hmm. are the African American characters that we see in mm-hmm. this town. And and it's Yeah, because at first he says, Oh, it's probably car backfiring, and and then Vince's like, No, dude, it was a gunshot. And he goes, Welcome to Texas. And he just like kind of turns and is like, Come on, let's go inside. It's, it's, yeah, it's like, Don't ask any more questions and, and also get the fuck away from you. Yeah, and yeah. Vince is just like, Man, fuck this. And he goes back inside. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so 95, Jeanette's watching the more news interviews of Jamie, uh, who's saying that, uh, um, it's been it's two weeks with since Jamie. she went missing. Yeah. Yeah, the, the interview's from 93. He and Kate were happy, and he hopes that Kate comes home. Angela lets herself in, and Jeanette's, like, not into Angela trying to relate to her or whatever. Um, you know, and, and Angela's cool. She's just like, look, I'm not trying to be your mother, but if you ever need to talk to me, I'm here. Also, don't fucking talk to me the way you're talking yeah, to me. don't ever talk to me like that again. I am not the enemy. And and Jeanette kind of backs down, which is Yeah, well, I, I, think I think it's... Jeanette's she's not like... A, Jeanette isn't actually a sociopath. Yeah, I think I think Jeanette has become very defensive and, and kind of like has a veneer of hostility now to protect herself. And I, I think uh, you say it's Amanda and uh, Angela. Angela, sorry. Uh, Angela breaks through that veneer by like getting real with her. She's like, I'm not trying to replace your mom. I just, you know, if you're in, want to talk to me, can, but don't ever talk to me like that. I'm not the enemy. And Jeanette feels bad, I think. And she kind of, she cries a little and she's like, I'm sorry. I mean, so like spoiler, we'll later see Angela's arrival in town or, or what we believe to be her arrival in town. But like, have there's ever been like someone in need of a theory that this character is like writing a book or whatever. <laughs> like it's this character. She's just way too cool and somehow got herself way too close to like the heart of the story. But uh, 93. Do you, do you think there's something about Jeanette watching all these tapes constantly? Yes, I think it's I think it's super punishing and fatalistic. Well, there's that. I, I do wonder if it's perhaps she's um, reminding herself, practicing, like, like, well, also, or you know, studying. I, I kind of wonder too if both girls, in spoilers for later episodes, like, are they reminding themselves of the story mm-hmm. uh, in a way that also is you know helpful to the audience here? Um, yeah. So ninety, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, so ninety three, Jess looking at herself in the mirror, like hanging up the photo book photos of her friends, putting away her her you go girl necklace. A lot of mirrors, uh, a lot of mirrors in the show. We're 
starting off this shot with basically that angle from Tom and Nicole and that shot from Eyes Wide Shut. <laughs> sure. Uh, but I like that we we pan down the jewelry box as she's like, you know, putting away the necklace. We pan up. It's 1994. Very like, slick. Very slick. She's really feeling herself in the mirror, like popular Jeanette. She's loving the power she has. She's just gotten home from this like birthday night out with Jamie. Then we pan around the room over five lamps. It's still dark. It's now 95 and there's dark Jeanette wandering through she's got a lava lamp now yeah and there's just this kind of great not a montage but like just like it's like all three Jeanettes are like temporal ghosts tossing and turning in this cut 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 yeah i I love it i just i'm so into this kind of storytelling yeah i i just wish the show would almost even go further in this direction uh yeah it's almost it's almost too hard to with all the 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 temporal things that they're moving around i mean we don't even know if this is going to get a second season on the one hand, there's something to be said for like having a story and telling it mean done, but like I wouldn't complain if there is a second season. Uh, I feel like a second season, even wrapping up everything in season one, as uh, Tia Napolitano, the showrunner, has said they will do by the end of season one. I feel like there's so many avenues to like do a season two of Cruel Summer. Mm-hmm. Um, so after commercial ninety four. The three friends are walking their bikes, listening to En Vogue, which is Jeanette Mallory and Vince. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Um, they're going to break into a house. This is like an item on their list. So Jeanette's dad is a realtor at is Skyland. It, is Realty. it just do something illegal? Is that the, the, well, no, the thing on the list? Number or? 12 on the list is to play hide and seek in an abandoned house. Okay. Um, so his, her dad is a realtor at one of these places where you, the gimmick is that all the real estate agents wear yellow blazers. Yeah. Like they're uh, like Monday night football broadcasters. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or yeah, like the uh, do you remember the two Asian broadcasters from Better Off? Right, Dead well, that, that's Palmer? that's what it's riffing on. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Night football. But uh, yeah, Mallory makes an excuse once they get inside. You know, to go looking for the key to break in this house. We get the info dump. This is this is uh, item number very piloty. Yeah, yeah. But it's also item number three. And like, if you're keeping track of Mallory and you don't trust her, that you know, she's like, oh yeah, my like Mallory's dad was a drunk who left her when she was little. And it's like, you're a great okay. dad, not like my dad who left me when I was five, and he's an alcoholic and a gambler. I have to it's pee. Like, I, I wanted to like uh, uh, the dad to be like, hey Mallory, I know, yeah. <laughs> I've known for years. Well, and these you kids are so time. suspicious. Like Jeanette's just like, hi, and it's just like, uh, so what are you kids up to? And they're like, uh, just, just yeah, checking off that list, and I just. He's like, what are you doing? What what are you getting up to? I like that's what he should be saying right now, you know. Like, but he's so well, trusting I, of them. I think the 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 interesting way about how Michael Landis played this though is that he's just like, look, I'm the world's biggest pushover, mm-hmm. and I'm just not going to call you on your shit. Like, yeah, have, have fun. I, you're you're my 15 year old daughter. I trust you to go do something, you know, dork, dorky. Uh, like a, d- another detail of note, it is Mallory, the one who goes and steals the keys to Martin Harris's house. Yep, she knows yep. where they are. I'm going to be frustrated if Mallory's not more culpable when this all is said and done. Because I feel like so she's many done items. enough. She's, she's an awful human being in general. Indeed. Oh, especially when you get to her 1995 hair. Give me a mm-hmm. break. So, yeah. Um, I mean, Mallory describes. That's, that's, that's uh, like Cruella DeVille hair almost. Yeah. Anyway, so. The magical destination the of 324 Huntington Road, which is this massive mansion. Or at least uh, it looks like one to me. I don't know. Maybe all houses are like that in Texas. Texas McMansion, mm-hmm. yeah, like for, for an assistant principal, you don't need this. Much it house, has buddy. like columns, you know, like like Greco-Roman columns here, and like this brick facade and everything. It looks like it must have like ten bedrooms, but yeah, mm. I don't know. Also, in general, there are plenty of things about Texas that I don't know and I never want to know. But here's 
what I do want to know. What's the basement situation in suburban Texas? I think uh, I can get like tornadoes there or something, right? I feel like it wouldn't be totally out of place to have a basement there. Feel free to let us know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like, you know, Mallory mentions uh, also that Jeanette's dad is kind of fine, which is also how we describe people back in the Yes. Movie. Yes. I remember that. Uh, hella so house fine. Been sold. Yeah. The house has been sold. Also, the word hella. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's um, a Northern California thing. Yeah. 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 Um, can I tell my, uh, my Northern California joke? By all means. How many fools from the East Bay does it take to screw in a light bulb? Hella? Hella fools. But when it was done, it was hella tight. All right, continue. Thank you. Um, house has been sold. They think it's still empty, though. So they're going to proceed. Uh, 95, we see a news reporter doing a live story about the anniversary of the shocking events that happened in this house a year earlier. It's 94. House is all boarded up. There's like a giant board over the front doors. So someone spray painted. No trespassing all over it. Yeah, I think this keep is out. No Vince- trespassing. When Vince like rolls up to like yeah yeah this. Vince is like um just like walking by he's got the old school like Sony Walkman the yellow one love it yeah yeah yeah, yeah. the one that might have been waterproof supposedly yeah yeah like you could take it in the shower was how it's advertised <laughs> <laughs> so ninety three the three nerds they they sneak in to play hide and seek this is number twelve on the list uh, Jeanette's it both Mallory and Vince run around trying to find some place to hide like they're in a fucking Benny Hill episode I, I have an issue here which is that they hide okay. in the same place. Which is yes, lame. It's totally if you're playing hide and seek, you gotta hide in different places. You can't hide in the same place. I mean, and it's, narratively it makes sense, you know. But yeah, fucking amateur hour is mm-hmm. what it is. <laughs> um, it's also their hiding place sucks. They just they the go shower? in the shower and they pull the curtain closed. But it it is a transparent curtain. Like if she goes yeah. in the bathroom, she's gonna see them. Like the, a great hide and seek move. If they if it's a shower with two curtains, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it has like the the inner liner and then the outer curtain. You hide in between them, like up in the corner. So even if somebody like looks into the bath, they don't see you there because you're between curtains. Mm, mm. Just FYI. If you already need to like hide or murder someone, just keep that in mind. So either way, either way, if you don't do that and you, you do what they're doing here, there's no way you can avoid like the Mrs. Bates mm-hmm. reference. Um, so 94, Vincent Mallory at the, at the playground. Um, Mallory wants to talk shit because she heard that Jeanette fucked Jamie. She is super bitter and felt like she discarded them. Had sex the other night yeah yeah she accuses vince of having been in love of Jeanette, and he's just like ah no um mallory seems like she's like just really has some fucking issues of kate wallace or the idea of her which is well, mallory just like I wants to suspicious. leave immediately yeah yeah it's a little suspicious that she seems to hate kate wallace uh and the last thing this world this shithole town needs is another kate wallace and we got the sequel, which is, you know, even worse than the original. Well, she talks like a fucking Kevin Williamson character in the 90s. <laughs> yeah. here. But I mean, like, I'm sorry. What was Kate's crime? That she was fucking like, amazing and she was wonderful to you? And well, and especially like, we've met Kate. Clouds and, parting and the sun shining. Yeah. yeah, we've met Kate and she seems like a genuinely good person, uh, which is why I, I think just with the mention of the dad who's a deadbeat, like, I, I feel like there's going to be some sort of like uh like half sister reveal or something between Mallory yep. and Kate. Popular, popular theory. Mm-hmm. Also, we'll find out that we don't know anything about uh, Kate's biological father. Yeah. Um, so back in 93, Jeanette goes downstairs to the basement. We see there's a wall with two large mirrors on it and some high windows. This is going to be fucking huge. This is like, this is the marketing campaign. We're going to come back to this a lot. Here's a huge like two-way mirror theory. It's, it's two walls. You know, one corner has a bunch of mirrors on it. There's a doorway right next to one of them. 
which mm-hmm. may lead to like a bathroom, but it definitely seems like you can go behind those mirrors. It's like the impression. There's something on the in between the two mirrors at the top, which might be like a motion detector. It might mm-hmm. be like an intercom thing. Uh, do we want to talk about the two-way mirror theory at all? Do we want to wait till later? Uh, I mean, we can talk about it now, I guess, because uh, we're you know we're gonna find you and out I have the that same kidnapped. Yeah, you and I had the same thing, which is two-way mirror theory is wonderful. We later find out that it's, this whole thing doesn't involve mirrors at all. But the problem is, like, the cops have been all through this place. There's Wouldn't no they way they would not have discovered the mirror, the like uh, yeah. a secret room or something. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, or also, wouldn't the fucking realtor who sold them the house know this too? Yeah. Well, because, um, I mean, it, presumably Kate would have told them. Yeah. Unless she somehow didn't know herself. But yeah, it's it's questionable. But I do think mirrors play a big part in general in this show. So right. maybe a Which shoe I is waiting both, to drop there. Both in dealing with identity issues and like this refractory nature of like, like comparing yourself to another person. Like the windows and mirrors mm-hmm. is basically going to be the, the ongoing themes. But also, I feel like plot-wise, something will come back to mirrors. Well, there, there's a great um, shot here of Jeanette. Like she walks downstairs. The music is telling us this is weird. This is creepy. And she mm-hmm. kind of – you can tell that she gets a weird vibe and like leaves this place. And it, she, there's a great shot of her walking away where you see four of – you know, three of her in reflection plus her, the real one all walking mm. in different directions. Like it's a pretty cool shot there. Yeah. It, it, very thematic. Um, she gets upstairs. She screams of startled when a man says, hello, it's Martin Harris. Uh, this dude, this, uh, he looks like a child in an adult's body is covered head to toe in denim. He is. So I got to ask you, uh, I've I listened to various podcasts, talked to friends about this and they were like, Oh, I clocked that guy immediately. I did not. I guess, I guess I was just kind of like in Jeanette's headspace. Where it's like, how can I get out of this situation? I didn't really pay a ton of attention to him the first time I watched this episode. Oh, hard disagree. Okay. Perfect perfect casting for a dude who's supposed to unsettle me from moment one. He looks like the most evilest, possibleest, little little brotherest version of David Byrne from Talking Heads. I mean, like I said, I, I think I was in Jeanette's headspace watching this scene where it was just like, how can I get out of this? And I wasn't really paying attention to him. Other, they, I was paying attention to like what Jeanette was saying, but you know. Right. This actor who who played uh, April's boyfriend, Derek, on Parks and Rec, I just discovered tonight. Um, Performance-wise, there are, there are several episodes of the show where the way he's playing it, I'm like, maybe we haven't heard the whole story. Maybe he's like, I don't know, like the innocent victim in some fashion because he seems genuine. And then there's times where I'm like, oh, this guy just creeps me the fuck out by existing. I think he's doing an excellent job. Spoiler, we only get he a, is guilty. We only get a teaser of it here, but I, I almost like... If I were this guy's agent, I'd be like, this is great acting, but like, are you sure you want this role? <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, this is going to be you from now on, <laughs> yeah. I'm sad to say. Like, you, yeah, it's the thing is you can play a creepy villain one time and then you're always going to be that character. But uh, the character unsettles me further with each new episode because you just know there's going to be more wrinkles. There's going to be more shoes that drop of him and it like, I don't know. But Jeanette kind of spins a she she's kind of caught completely busted. Why is she in this house? And she comes up with this lie. uh, Oh, you know, my I'm Jeanette. and My dad sold you this house. Um, He thought he left his briefcase here. So I was just coming over to look for it. And he seemingly buys it. Um, Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And she's like, oh, and you know what? Like, I I think you might have missed something to walk through. Let me show you something in the basement. I'm going, you know, like loudly. I'm going to the basement. Come downstairs with me. So her friends like know to get out of there because they're like, you know, freaked out in the shower right now. Yeah. And she is. I mean, she she fell into this immediately. She's great at it. 
Um, she's covering for her friends. They, uh, they run out later. Um, but yeah, he, later she's walking out with him. He's telling her you'll be the new assistant principal at Skyland High. How does he afford this house? Yeah. Um, he's like, I'll see you around. And she's like, well, I doubt it. I don't usually get in much trouble. So I, I guess the thing that would tip me off to Martin Harris here is when he's talking to her, he he has this kind of like legs crossed to lean against the uh, the door jam. That just it feels a little incongruous with an adult assistant principal. It feels too casual to me. There's something about the mm-hmm. body language here where I'm like, what, what's going on here? He seems like he's trying to be too inviting. Unrelated. Do you remember that weird Mel Gibson movie where he had a fucked up face? Um, yeah, I actually I've seen that movie, but like, is it, what was it called? Like the Man Without a Face or something like that? Or something isn't yeah. it implied? That something happened with a kid. In yeah, movie. it was like he might have been a molester and his face got burned or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, there's a way he's he's crooked in, in like his power structure of him like standing over her and looking down at her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's everything about this guy. It's like you you can't put your finger on it at all times, but you know it doesn't feel right. Yeah. But she's walking away. She is, this is like Jeanette's like just feeling her power. I love that there's so many shots of her just like, feeling her her mm-hmm. abilities here. yeah as uh, she's walking away it's like oh my god i just got away with that that was awesome yeah yeah uh the, the girl who didn't great. want to do yeah. the girl who didn't want to do anything illegal or immoral like the day before uh so after commercial it's it's uh it's 95 jeanette's putting on another vhs type of the news report pouring herself some, some serious whiskey. scotch i think yeah yes yeah, yes yeah, she is watching the Catherine and Tennille talking about how kate was their best friend uh, then she puts on some 94 news and there's Mallory talking shit about Jeanette on the news. My notes just Jeanette, say Mallory is awful. Jeanette makes some serious bitter beer face about it and throws a pillow at her TV. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Mallory says, I first tried to be a positive influence. Ugh. So phony. Mm-hmm. Like, God damn you, Mallory. Like you're so you could not be more suspicious if you tried. Um, I feel like if nothing else. If you're listening to this and you like Mallory, we are going to drag you down to our level. Mm-hmm. Uh, back to 94, Jeanette's at the mall over Nane and Tennille. Uh, they're sad about Kate being missing. They, they look over at like Jeanette. like They're waiting for her to chime in about how sad it is too. And Jeanette's just like, uh, I didn't really know her. And they're like, oh, okay. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> you, you didn't you start didn't... kicking it with us till later. Yeah. Yeah. So Mallory and Vince show up. Mallory just like makes a beeline right for Jeanette. She has red highlights in her hair now. Um, this is certainly better than her 95 hair. That hair is a crime. Um, she looks like and, fucking Harley Quinn in 1995. Yeah. Really? Harley Quinn Smith? Well, that, Quinn. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, but, she looks like like if Harley Quinn was like Cruella DeVille's niece that mm-hmm. no one talked about. Oh, you just reminded me of Cruella. I can't wait. I'm Cruella. So yeah. End of this month, right? Uh, maybe. I have no idea because dates keep shifting, but uh, I might actually go to the movie theater to watch that. I might ri- oh. risk it all. Let me know when you go. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll, I'll go. I'll go risk it all with you. Mm-hmm. Um, Mallory's just all about making a scene. Now. Like she is just gonna make this fucking scene. Um, and she's like, Jeanette "Oh, is... I heard you and uh, your boyfriend are boinking now, or whatever." Yeah, bravo. Uh, <laughs> Jeanette's all about like de-escalating this shit. Like, you know, hey, can you guys give us a moment? And she's like, she just flat out is just like, "Look, I'm here. I've been here. I'm not the one to pull away." And I love this line. So I don't know where all this rage is coming from. And to make it worse, she gives Mallory this hug that just like completely like just dim- dismisses her. Oh, which I think senses Mallory even more. Kiara's acting here is so good because you're like, this seems she's saying all the right things. She's making the good gestures, but like 
is this genuine or is this just incredibly manipulative and almost like a giant yeah. fuck you? Like you can't really tell. That's my other thing too. If nothing else in this podcast, I'm going to make you love Kiara Aurelia because mm-hmm. I think she's incredible. Uh, more and more, I think she's incredible. Um, but yeah, so Mallory's incensed by this. Mallory's gesture, like shaken she, by this. Yeah. She's like, God, you sound just like her. Which I want to know what the fuck does that mean, Mallory? Yeah. You sound, Well, you sound just like Kate is the implication, but it's like, and that's have you bad? even spoke to her? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so Mallory storms off, Good. and then we get uh, the uh, the photo booth shot of Jeanette and her new popular friends now, and they're yeah. they're not quite as like goofy and like innocent as the ninety three photos. They're more kind of like making duck face, like sneering at the camera, like look how hot we are type stuff, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of, kind of over it, ironic a little bit. Um, typical 90s teenager shit mm-hmm. uh, 95 Jeanette's in a parking lot chilling in her I don't know if this is an Aerostar or a Windstar uh, my family had one of these we had a we oh, had a yeah. white Windstar van just the so worst those be- were everywhere in the 90s uh, she's eating some oh, burger bomb burger bomb is the uh, the name of the restaurant just eating some fast food listening to Tiger Trap super loud some kids walk past and they're all like what's up psycho so she throws her milkshake at them love it <laughs> and they're shocked it's like well, what the fuck did you think <laughs> throws her strawberry milkshake yeah what's well, like i'm sorry you assholes came and poked the beehive mm-hmm. the beehive threw a milkshake at you and and um, we get the shot of Jeanette driving away and she's kind of smiling a little bit yeah yeah and so it's like well what kind of person is Jeanette really i think a, a lot of the show kind of hinges on that like is Jeanette a good person or is she a horrible human being who's occasionally good at hiding it I mean, I, I, like, like similar, like I said, there's, like, there's a Netflix, like, true crime documentary, like, vibe to some of all this stuff. If anyone ever watched, like, the Amanda Knox documentary on Netflix, which is the central question is Amanda Knox even bringing up to herself how you look at this case is based on how you think of me, mm-hmm. what kind of person you think I am. But, yeah, I mean, my take is Jeanette, you know, because they, they play in the marketing, like, there's a whole, like, do you believe Kate? Do you believe Jeanette? I think they're both right and both wrong is how we're going to get something down the middle. But, like, I think you're, the, the world's clearly painting Jeanette as a villain, and I think she's just owning it. Well, I mean, you know that I mean? is the central conceit of the show is, like, which one of them is lying or perhaps the, the middle way is that, no, they're both telling the truth as far as they um, perceive it. But they, there's information that they may not have or they, they may be mistaken or something like that. I do wonder. I mean, it's entirely possible that the show may eventually reveal that, like, no, Jeanette is evil and, like, she's entirely complicit. Or, no, Kate made it all up because of this, this, I, and this. I don't, I don't think they're going to do that with Jeanette. I don't think so, but I don't think it's off the table, I guess. It'd be fun. That'd be, mm-hmm. I'd almost respect the show yeah. even more. But, yeah, I think... I think the world is pushing her into this villain place. I think everyone's con- looking for the middle way. Like, how can they both be telling the truth right. as they understand it? But yeah, I mean, I think psychologically here, the world's pushing her to be the villain. She's kind of owning it. But like in certain private moments, we're seeing that this is hard for her. Mm-hmm. Like she can't. Although we should say we don't, guilt. we don't know yet at this point in the episode why Jeanette is so reviled and such yeah. a villain in the 95 timeline. Yeah. Yeah. So Jeanette goes to visit her lawyer's office. We're going to find out a little bit here. She's like swiveling in her chair, not interested in what the lawyer says. We hear the trial's a few months away. 
Jeanette, you know, brings out that stupid necklace, which means nothing. So we're like, okay, the fucking necklace is going to come back. Um, the lawyer goes into Jeanette's likability so the jury could connect with her, which sets Jeanette off. So, yeah, she how the hell know- is the jury going to connect with the most hated person in the nation? Yeah, she makes a you know great point about how people, like, when they see her, they don't whisper about her in public. They say it loud so that she can hear them. Uh, she points out her dad, who used to love me, she says, now spends his time painting over the graffiti that gets painted over their garage every other day. The National Enquirer called her a Satan worshiper. The governor of Texas called her a disgrace, which I just want to point out. I went and looked it up. Summer 95, the Texas governor was, of fucking course, George W. Bush. <laughs> yeah, that checks out. Um, and she's crying when she says this. Like, this is... Either she's an amazing actor or this really does get to her. What's important is though is that Kiara really is an amazing yeah. actor. Well, and, and yeah, I think like, um I have nothing, I have no one, and you want me to be more likable. It, it, the fact that the governor of Texas Texas has commented on her mm-hmm. is telling. Like she's there's been a National Enquirer story about her. She like like she says, she's the most hated person in the country. Like this isn't local gossip that she's talking right. about. Uh, one of my favorite podcasts I listen to every week comes out an episode is called you're wrong about mm-hmm. this would 100% be a you're wrong about episode <laughs> talking about like, Oh, even the fucking Texas governor commented upon this. But uh, I like how the, you want me to be more likable. And then the, the lawyer says something and Jeanette infers. So you want me to be more like her. Mm-hmm. And we're like, Ooh, cause I mean, like I, I procured this episode. I, saw the, the the key art you know the two girls in the mirrors i knew very little about what the plot of the show was. i watched like the the trailer on instagram once like four months before it aired i yeah i was just like all right i'm gonna watch the show but i was like okay i remember olivia holt being goddamn amazing in uh cloak and dagger and i was like i wonder if she's just kind of like the allison de Laurentiis. like we're just never really gonna see her but the occasional flashback mm-hmm. so yeah anyway uh, I was like, okay, this is Joseph's about Jeanette. I'm fine with that. But yeah, so then, you know, we see this is this is Jeanette's big moment. We see her fire. Uh, I think we, you know, if you're not in love with her by now, I don't know what to tell you. But 94 uh, at Tennille's, I believe this is Tennille's. Um, Renee's upstairs with Jeanette. Uh, Tennille refer, returns. Just got word from T- Allison Tennille, Murphy. We, I guess we should say, is the um, the blonde like friend. Blonde highlights. Yeah. yeah. And, and uh, what was the other one? Renee. Renee. Yeah. Or the captain, if you will. Um, but Tio just got from a word from Allison Murphy. Speaking of big hoes, they say they found Kate. So Jeanette jumps up from her like beanbag and she's just like, oh, my God, do they know where they found her body? Do you know who killed her? And Tio's like, she's not dead. She's alive. And, and Jeanette seems. What do we make of this turn. reaction? Yeah, it's it's delicious because Jeanette's kind of like, fuck. <laughs> it is there. It's hard not to read guilt into that reaction. That she's hearing that Kate is alive and her, she's stunned. She's in complete disbelief. She immediately was like, "Where's where did they find the body? Do they know who did it?" Like, like she already knows or at least believes that Kate is dead. But and I mean, we get I think this news and said that Kate is alive and they found her. For all of you who were like <laughs> grumble, 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 grouse, like Jeanette's guilty or something, like consider if you will in Jeanette's nerdy mind. She's still some place, some part of her, and time is fluid. We're bouncing back and forth. So it's almost like personality-wise, like she is still that dorky 15-year-old girl who coveted Kate's life and like like coveted that position of Jamie. So some part of her has got to be knowing, as we're going to see, the moment Kate Wallace walks back into the picture, like Schrodinger's dead girl becomes alive again, 
everything she has of Jamie is threatened, right? I, I think so, yeah. And and the question is, is that just is there more to it than that? Like the, she's definitely some part of her is going to think that. Like, what does this mean for me? But mm-hmm. is there is there more there? You know, is is there information she has that we don't know about that's influencing the that uh, seemingly guilty or stunned reaction there? And and so many TV shows, good and bad, start off with the dead girl at the center, like the young, mm-hmm. pretty dead girl at the center, Mayor of Easttown, let alone. Mm-hmm. Um, which I want to talk to you offline about oh, sure. that actress. Oh, oh, right, yeah. Mm-hmm. Great in everything, great in devs. I'm still mystified about her role in devs. Anyway, um, but I always love when the show also has the reason to say, the dead girl at the center of all this. What if she wasn't dead? <laughs> What if she walks right back into the picture and takes over her life again? Uh, but yeah, so Jeanette, Renee, and Tennille run over to Jamie's house. Ben is there Jeanette too. Jeanette is ben in the lead. Out. Seemingly, Jeanette yeah. needs to get there as fast as she can. Well, when Ben comes out, and again, Ben, taking point on this, he's just like, Jeanette, trust me, you need to go right now. You need to go right now. And then Jamie comes out and just fucking punches Jeanette I do right want to say, yeah, it, it's brutal the way he punches her in the face. Real quick, though, when Ben comes running out, it's another shallow focus thing where we don't even really see his face. And yeah. and you might be forgiven for not realizing that this is the same character from the roller ring because he's in like two scenes and we practically never see his face here because right. of the way it's shot. Uh, but yeah, Jamie comes running out and she's, you know, first Ben's like, oh, you don't want to talk to him right now, whatever. And Jamie comes out and he just fucking punches her in the face. And you're like, mm-hmm. oh, my God, what the fuck? Um, yeah. Seemingly, Jamie is uh, has received some information that's made her incredibly hostile to Jeanette uh, mm-hmm. since Kate returned from the dead. and. If you look at like the, the the transcription or the closed captions, a lot of people, I read a lot of things where people like, I don't know, like Berenstein Bears themselves into thinking that Jeanette's saying something like, I can explain Jamie. She's not saying anything like that. Like, like she's like, just like, Jamie, I just heard. Or she whatever. says, I like, came as soon as I heard. And he says, bitch, and punches her. I yeah. don't want to, I don't want to see you, you know, and they're like, why'd you, why'd you hit her? And Jamie says, what'd you do to her? I mean, the show is definitely you know setting you up to dislike Jeanette so you know if you dislike Jeanette be aware that the show is brilliantly like playing with you just a little bit Mm -hmm. like that's the point is is you're supposed to I don't know kind of decide with one of these girls and then maybe switch at some point so after commercial 94 Jeanette's back at home with her family her mom's putting a bag of like frozen peas or whatever on her face so the mom's there in 94 yeah so she has a she has a black eye News comes on. We see news footage that Kate Walsh has been rescued. Her abductor was dun 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 Martin Harris. Um, we see like the the classic like shot of like uh, it's like a yearbook like, photo. Well, we also see like the shot of like her with like the blanket around her as like they're leading her to the cop car. Also, it's daylight, so that gunshot, yeah. whatever that was, it's like twelve hours later at least. At least, yeah. And we we don't even know what the time difference is between June twenty first mm-hmm. and wherever we are now. But uh, more details of the shocking incident are sure to come, we're told. Jeanette's stunned. So, 93, Jeanette's about to return her stolen keys to the, to the Harris house. Uh, she's talking to her brother outside who's, like, doing mechanic shit. And he sees, he's just like, hey, I think 15's going to be your year. And it's like, what am I supposed to think about you, guy? Are you just a really good brother? Is that supposed to be creepy? I mean, he's correct. Or is right? it just ironic? Her, she, oh, yeah. Jeanette crushes it up. in uh, 1995. Or ni- yeah, 95, 96 there. Or, I'm sorry, 93, 94. 94. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 95, yeah. not so much. <laughs> yeah, from 93 to 94, everything is coming up Millhouse for Jeanette. It's yeah. uh, only afterwards. 
I don't know. Yeah, I yeah. don't think the brother is secretly evil or anything. I, I don't think I, I just don't think the show is that interested in that. I think it's way more invested in the two girls, I guess. Oh yeah, absolutely. But I mean, I would legitimately, I think be bummed if the brother was just like, muhahaha secret like mustache tutorial i'm yeah. evil I, I i he just seems like i don't know i feel like we've seen this character previously and it's been worse he just seems like he's just a, a normal douchebag or normal I, mean, I, I guess you could say i don't know if this would be a criticism of the show but there are certain tertiary characters who i don't think are more than they appear to be they right. they are what they they you know say, say on the label pretty much he's just the the brother who's seemingly a good guy and trying to be supportive big brother i don't think there's more there than that well i'll say this though we have seen two characters on the show that will be revealed to have secret relationships mm-hmm. those secret relationships are not you know dark things yes yeah. they're pretty normal things and you kind of understand why they're secret for the most intent um I love the shot of the uh the puffy paint on Jeanette's music box when she puts the uh the you girl girl necklace and the the key to martin harris's place away uh, that's yeah, just she goes back inside. so 90s, yeah. Yeah, uh, 95, she pushes that VHS tape in to watch a Kate Wallace interview on the Marsha Bailey show. It's Olivia Holt again. It's been f- three months since she's been freed. Uh, this, this, The way this is shot is fascinating because we kind of get like the 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 TV show aired version and then we kind of go we into We kind of keep real... zooming in until it's the but, real shot. Yeah, it's cool. But the 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 TV show version is the same angle of uh, the actual inter- the right, actual real yeah, thing. Yeah. It's kind of it's kind of weird. Like the the framing in some of the shots is like um, I don't know, like a little less off putting version of Mister Robot's framing in, in places. Yeah, it's not quite as extreme, but it, we do get a little yeah. bit of off kilter framing. Yeah. So Jeanette, she fast forwards through it. So she's watched this probably hundreds of times. She knows where the good shit is, the shit mm-hmm. that hurts. Um, the interview, of course, is like a mixture of like the, the real stuff. Anyway, um, I had the dialogue hey, here. I don't know if you want me to, to just read it or what. I just want you to be aware that this is the slope where we fall off. And then by like episode 10, <laughs> we're acting out the whole fucking episode. <laughs> oh, no, I just I've got it from the wiki. Yeah, no, I did not okay. transcribe it. I had not lost well, my mind yet. Well, let's just say Kate wants to get something off her chest. So please. Uh, she says, Even though I've been advised by a legal team not to. I feel strongly that this is something I've earned the right to share. A few months after I was kidnapped, something happened that gave me some hope. I was found by someone, a girl. I didn't know her, know her very well, or at all, really. But she saw me. I thought that salvation was near, that I would soon be rescued, that she would bring me back to safety. But help didn't come for months. Why not? Well, I found out that while I was being held captive, she'd essentially taken over my life. To the girl who stayed silent, who let me endure things that I cannot erase. You could have saved me, and you didn't. I wish you could go to jail for your sins, but since there are ridiculous laws against that, I can only say, Jeanette, Jeanette Turner, Turner, I hope you rot in hell. Yeah. Holy and shit. Then, what a, and as garbage, uh, stupid girl plays out, like, what a way to end the episode. Like, if you're not hooked now, I don't know what you want from a TV show. Well, this had the same punch for me as the things I do for love okay yeah like like the same visceral like oh fuck like i was in on this show and you just like slapped me out the door and like like you made me love it but yeah so the detail i love even more jeanette rewinds and keeps playing back (laughs) jeanette turner i hope you rot in hell like she needs that 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 hurt well now we know what has caused this dark time lately somewhat that that the the story is according to kate 
Jeanette saw her in captivity and did not mm-hmm. get help, did not make sure she was rescued, left her there to continue living, you know, Kate's perfect life instead. Yeah. And it's it's yep. and it's believable enough that you're like, maybe that it did happen that way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because we we met Kate once or yeah, I think just once in this episode. And Kate mm-hmm. seemed like a pretty good human being. So it doesn't yeah. seem like she would be lying about this. And we have a lot of reasons to think that Jeanette might be the kind of person who, who could do this. Well, her own dad said she might be a sociopath. Yeah. Yeah. And this is kind of become Kate's thing is that Kate is not known to be a liar. Yeah. And I mean, I, 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 I find it interesting. We'll, we'll talk more about it in the next episode that the first two episodes both end with Olivia Holt in a Kate moment. I think, I think the yeah. show knows that they have something special with Olivia Holt and they're going to highlight it. Um, yes. What a hammer to drop at the end of this episode. Mm-hmm. And I think the first two episodes aired at the same time as well. So you really uh, got both it. It's, no spoilers, but the next episode's mostly from Kate's point of view rather than Jeanette's. And it, it kind of continues that pattern over the next few episodes, which is pretty cool. It's honestly, it's like two pilots. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like a double pilot. Yeah. Um, yeah. I love it. The show's great. Um, yeah. So we are recording this on the Monday before episode six airs. Looking forward to it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's all I can say. <laughs> yeah. The next episode is a smashing good time, which yeah. is uh, from Kate's side of things. Uh, on a different day leading up to eventually Kate's going to get kidnapped seemingly, you know, in, in the 1993 timeline. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, really enjoying the show so far. It just, it kind of felt like it came out of nowhere and it was just like, Ooh, this, this, it's all the, the buttons, you know, it checks all the boxes of the kind of show I want. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's, I don't know. It's so rare. Just like, I feel like there's plenty of shows that I watch them and I, I, I eventually grow fond of them and I like them. I just, in so many ways, I feel like this show is just like, Hey, I'm for you. There, I don't know. I, I feel I, like show you've been waiting for, I've watched so many shows that are like they're streaming shows or Netflix shows. And it kind of feels like there's like five episodes that like, we're just kind of playing out a string, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's like, they know that you're going to be on your phone only half paying attention to every scene. Whereas this show, it wants your attention the entire time. Yeah, I mean, every Netflix show has that one episode per season where it's like this one takes entire place entirely in the past. Yeah. Whereas the show, it's just like, what if we just jumbled up all the cards? Yeah. Well, I, I do think um, Kiara is has to play way more different versions of herself than Kate does. I mean, Kate is definitely mm-hmm. different between the timelines, and and Olivia Holt is certainly crushing it. But like the the changes are so much more severe. It seems like. For the Jeanette character. Yeah. I mean like the. The 94, 95 Kate. Is. The, the differences are more subtle. I think. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Obviously the 93 Kate's. A much different creature altogether. But yeah. Like. They're so stark. The changes between the three Kiaras. Um, and, and Jeanette. Like. And I think. I think she's so good at playing. That dorky nerd Jeanette. The, you know. The nerdy Mona. If you will. Um She's really good at like nailing the the dork inside of popular girl Jeanette in 94. Mm-hmm. And in 95, I feel like she's so mysterious. Like she is doing this thing where it's like, I, I was just watching an interview before this on the Tonight Show of Jessica Biel and Kiara Aurelia where oh, really? like, they, nice. would, they wouldn't tell her 
you know what was really going on mm. like like but like the, she plays it like she knows exactly the secrets and uh, I well i think she's it's she's they're willing to have Jeanette played in such a way where you believe she could be guilty of lightning what rod. she's the lightning rod yeah. yeah yeah it's not like you're not watching this like oh clearly some there's a, been a mistake you know you're like mm-hmm. you're kind of like ah maybe it's true like I think the you naturally want to root for your, this character because she's been kind of the focus of the show and the pilot. But you're like, there's at least a greater than zero percent chance that what Kate is telling us is true, right? And we can talk talk about you know the the way that the show is making us love and question and, and rival the the two characters. But like, I don't want to choose between the two of them because both actresses and both characters are great. But if everyone's going to keep hating on Jeanette, I'll have to stand up for. Yeah, I mean, I, I maybe it's just because I, I like to root for the underdog, but I I want her to not be evil. I guess you know, I, I want her. Or to, I ask you, yeah, when it's when it looks that good, is evil so bad? <laughs> I mean, it, so you're a horrible person. Yeah. Is that so horrible? And we'll we'll learn more about Kate in future episodes. Um, but she's uh, an interesting character in her own right. I, I think as much as you can buy into it from 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 two white guys on a podcast, yeah. like we like complicated women. Do you want to tell them why we like complicated women or how that takes shape? Uh, I don't know what you're talking about. So sure, go ahead. Uh, does it take maybe this place a form of a book? That's right. Yes. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> great, you. great prompt. Yeah. If you want to support the podcast, we uh, in addition to doing a pretty little Irish podcast and another podcast called headcanon. Uh, we wrote a couple of books. It's in a series of novels that uh, is still in, in process of coming out. Uh, there's two books out so far. Uh, the first book is called my name is trouble. It's about a uh, teen detective named trouble. Who's uh, solving a mystery. Uh, if you go to my name is trouble.com, you can find out more information. So we don't have a Patreon. We don't have ads on the podcast or anything like that. If you like the podcast and want to support it, uh, my name is trouble.com. Check it out. You can buy it mm. uh, paperback or you can buy it on Kindle or Apple books. And uh, I, th- I think if you like cruel summer or, or you like uh pretty little liars or you like Veronica Mars, like if those shows are your jam, I, I'm pretty sure you'd like trouble as well. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right. And uh, at some point maybe we'll do some kind of contest related to the book, but oh, you yeah. know, We've done contests in the past where people have got to come on our other podcasts and watch TV with us or watch a movie with us and talk about it. I, I mean, you can't tell me that you, you don't watch this show and want to get on a podcast and <laughs> talk about theories and how horrible Mallory is, right? Well, so before we wrap up, I just based on just episode one, like what, what were yeah. you thinking at the end of this episode? What was your theory? Uh, I don't know that I was fully like theorizing. I think I was just like, how do I put this open? <laughs> I was just like, yes, I'm in this world. Feed me. Um, I mean, I guess at the end of this episode, I was thinking, well, there must be some sort of mistake, something to do with mirrors where, where Kate saw Jeanette, but Jet and Jeanette didn't see Kate or something like that. But Jeanette, or, but Kate thought she saw her or something like that. I was, I was very much in the, uh, Neither of them is lying camp, which I, I guess I still am. I'm just, yeah. it, it almost feels like that's too simple. Like, you know, it's like, that's what the audience wants, but is it what they need? I don't know. I guess we'll have to see where I the mean, story goes. The show is going to do the thing that TV shows should do, where it's like, character says A, 
you're strongly going to believe B, it's going to be C. Like that's, that's, that's what you want from TV. You want TV to give you the C that doesn't piss you off. It doesn't make you upset that you didn't get A or B, but, but still surprises you just a little bit, you know? And I think the show is unique in that it it has already told you the villain is Martin Harris. And so that is out of the way. And now it's more a question of, okay, but like, how complicit or how culpable or how guilty is Jeanette or, or maybe this is Kate taking revenge on Jeanette because she got out of uh, her kidnapping situation and discovered that Jeanette was dating her boyfriend. Like it, it could be something as petty as that. We don't really know. But also what I like too, is that in 95, you know, obviously you're still dealing with the machinations of the larger plot, but like, the show doesn't shy away from dealing with like the psychological nature of what both Kate and Jeanette are dealing with, like the way they're processing all of this one year out. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, the show is very good about, you know, little moments like, like letting Kate deal with this and who is Kate going to be and how is she going to reclaim her power, whatever that's going to look like for her. And I think that's, that's an important story too. It's, it's not, it's not a simple story. Um, and also whatever Jeanette's dealing with, because Jeanette's, I mean, if you don't like Jeanette, you can't, you can't pretend that she's not a complicated, interesting creature. And it does seem like we've only scratched the surface of what may have befallen her character in the, yeah. uh, the intervening year there from her fall from grace from like when she's on top of the world in 94, the new it girl to 95, uh, the most hated girl in America. Well, and like you said, uh, I've never been a teenage girl with wavy hair and glasses and braces, but like, I I felt her awkwardness and I, you know, well, I, went I mean, I was changes. certainly an awkward, dorky, you know, teenage boy who like, you knew who the cool dudes were and, and they mm. weren't you, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, I've never, I've never been the cool dude. And that's, you know, but at a certain point, maybe you become fine with that. But like her changes and the whiplash from them, like I, I, I felt all of that, like all the different, you know, versions of me. So I, I don't know. I fucking love that kind of just, especially like you said, t- the, the the high school era, like dealing with teenage identity, because so much of who we are as adults is formed by that. Um, this show's great, man. And we're going to love getting into it. Yeah. So we'll be back next week to talk about a smashing good time. Mm-hmm. Till then, have a good one. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.